I'm trying to get somewhere. <laughs> I'm trying to get somewhere that's real and pure and true and eternal. Toby, can you go with your boy? Let's go. From the American Missionary Church, Apostle Joel Obobisa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teaching that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. DJ is out of songs for the day, so I better get up and preach. <laughs> Amen. All right, let us share a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessing today. This is Attempt Great Things for God Sunday. And we are grateful to be alive to see it. And we're privileged to be able to attempt something great for you. We pray for the Holy Spirit today. We pray for your leading, your inspiration, your guidance in the name of Jesus. Let your will be done, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You may be seated, please. Now, today is an interesting Sunday for many reasons. And I want to take the opportunity to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, yes, because as I was sitting there, I noticed that someone who is a friend of mine had just logged on and was watching. So you who is a friend of mine, hello. <laughs> and um, I hope you join us throughout the service and enjoy your time uh, with us. Amen. Now, um, today is Attempt Great Things for God Sunday. Amen. And Attempt Great Things for God Sunday is the name we give to our first Sunday of the year. Amen. We used to call it Covenant Sunday. And Covenant Sunday because it's a new beginning. Do you see? It's a chance to start afresh and um, put all things behind you except the ones that are relevant to the new things to come. Do you see? To, but to put them behind you and to begin a new climb, a new effort, and to begin to do some new things. Amen. But I think that I love this new name because it's a great one. It says what it really is, which is that we can attempt great things for God. Amen. Amen. Right. So we're beginning 2024. And we're going to attempt to do something great Amen. for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, we have a beautiful book, 
attempt great things from God, for God. <laughs> you get it, yes. And so I want to share with you a little bit from attempt great things, and then I'll share a little bit from another book, and then, you know, we'll go that way. Amen. Amen. But I want to read these two scriptures, you know, about our books, uh, which, you know, I thought I should read them too because I had prophet reading them this morning. <laughs> I said, there must be something here. <laughs> Amen. The first one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27. Maybe um, we can actually back up a little bit to verse 23. It says, Paul's final greetings. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and the verse is 23. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Amen. Amen. I think that's an encouraging verse, isn't it? That when God calls you to do something, he also does that thing. Amen. He works in you to accomplish it. There's nothing that God calls you to do that he expects you to do with your own strength and your own ability. God will work through you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. Amen. So God will give you the strength God will give you the knowledge. God will give you the wisdom. God will even give you the encouragement and the inspiration. You know, those inner elements that are necessary for being able to remain steadfast and to be unmovable in the face of discouragement, in the face of weakness, in the face of complexities and impossibilities, you know, the inner tenacity and drive to continue to do what God has asked you to do, God will supply that for you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's a good verse. It says, the very God of peace sanctify you and so on. Then faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Amen. Then verse 25, he says, brethren, pray for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, apostles need to be prayed for. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes. Pastors, leaders, church leaders, pray for us. Amen. Amen. And it's very important that we pray for our leaders. You know, if every time we get to say something negative about a church leader, we would instead pray for them. I think it will make a difference. What do you think? You get it. Instead of saying he preached too long, pray for him. 
Instead of saying he preached too short, pray for him. Instead of saying uh, what? He talks too much, pray for him. Instead of saying he didn't come to the church, pray for him. Do you see? His shoes are nice, pray for him. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes, just pray for him. Everything that comes to mind, just pray for him. You know, many pastors and church leaders don't get prayed for at all. You know, especially people who are in the open and who are popular and so on. Everybody just waits for them to go wrong so they can have something to say. You know, but who is praying for them? You know, who is caring for them? Who is thinking about you take all these musicians and all these stars that we know, Christian people, you know, who when they make mistakes or when they fall actually affects all of us. And sometimes we are so surprised, you know, by what they do or what befalls them, you know. But nobody questions who prays for them, you know. We just like their songs. We just like their preachings. We just like what they do. But who cares about what it takes for them to do what they do, you know. Do you know what it costs someone to be who they are? Do you see? And to be the inspiration and to be the encouragement that they are to you. So pray for leaders. Amen. Instead of joining the people who make it their business to criticize leaders, you know, who make it their business to write negative things about leaders who have never even said a word of prayer. I wonder how God feels about such people. <laughs> Do you see? I wonder what God thinks of such people. Who just make it their business to criticize people that he has chosen and people that he has selected? I think when you choose someone, you don't like people saying negative things. Isn't it? Yes. Do you see? Yeah. So I think that we should leave God's servants to God and then rather make it a habit of turning our criticisms rather into prayers for them. And that will do much more good than the negativity. Say amen. amen. Right. So apostle said, brethren, pray for us. Then the next verse is, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Right. Now this is the, the least practiced verse in the Bible. I don't know. I don't know when we'll start practicing this one. You, <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know when. So maybe for those who criticize um, uh, our practice cases at the First Love Center, maybe here's a verse that can um, <laughs> hold your thoughts together <laughs> until you start practicing this verse. <laughs> Okay, now the next verse is the verse I want. It says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Amen. And then, of course, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. Apostle Paul said, I charge you that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. This 
epistle be read unto all the what? Holy brethren, right? An epistle is simply a letter. You know, it's a letter. So what he is saying is, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Now, if you would turn quickly to Colossians chapter 4, in verse 16, you'd see a similar verse, okay? So the first one we're reading is, to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians is what we were reading and he was charging them. He said, I charge you in the name um, I, I ch no, this is Colossians. All right. He said, I charge you in the name of the Lord that this epistle be read you know, to all the holy brethren. Amen. And then this other one in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16 you know, he says uh, and when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, so he's saying that... Um, this epistle that is being read among you. So this is Colossians. So epistle is going to be read in Thessalonians uh, church, isn't it? Then epistle is going to be read in Colossians church, isn't it? Now he's saying also that there is another epistle that has already been read in Laodicean church. Do you see? Right, and he wants that Laodicean church epistle to be read in the Colossian church. And then he wants the Colossians also to read the one that was um, written to uh, the Laodiceans. What he's saying is that Laodiceans should read the Colossian epistle and Colossians should read Laodicean epistle. Okay, so if not for a, uh, uh, anything at all, at least we understand that th there are three churches here, isn't it? Yeah. Colossians, Laodiceans, and Thessalonians, isn't it? Yeah. And epistles have been written to all of them. And he wants those epistles to be read among the churches. Do you understand? Which means what he was saying to the Laodiceans was not only for them, but he wanted to say the same things also to the Colossians. You get it. But instead of writing a new letter, you get it. He said, bring the Laodicean one here and then bring this one also there so that there are all the different letters. Now, I hope that we all recognize that it is those epistles that have become books of the Bible that we are actually reading and studying. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, so for example, when you say Colossians 3, 4, then you are reading from that epistle. You get it? Yes. So this morning, I happened to be watching, well, it was last night, I happened to be watching uh, one church, the, a pastor of a very big church, large global type of church. And um, one of the things they were reading was an epistle from their pastor. Yeah. <laughs> they said they, they are reading the epistle from their pastor. 
That's a letter, like a New Year letter from the pastor to the church. Maybe I should have written some epistles. <laughs> Except that, you know, I am not the pastor of this church. So thank God that we have a pastor who has written to us. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. And the reason why I read these scriptures is that it is important for us to see that scripturally, you know, it is okay to read the letters that the father or the apostle of a church writes to the church. Does it make sense? Yes, that's, that's all I'm trying to demonstrate. I'm trying to show you why we read the letters, you see, and why we read the messages, and why we read the books that our apostle writes to the church. Amen. Amen. And why do you have to write? Because that's how you can repeat a message. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Yes, that's how you can give permanence to a message, number one. Make it go around to more places, you know. I mean, nothing has beaten books for being a store of information and also being a medium by which information is passed around. The oldest form of sending information around is writing. Isn't it? And that's before emails and text and so on and all these things that technology has introduced. You know, they facilitated, but none of them has effectively replaced the writing of a book. Do, do, do you get it? Yes. So it's an old method of sending information around. Otherwise, he has to travel from Laodicea and go to the Colossians and say exactly what he said over there. Do you see? And then he has to move from there to the Thessalonians and say exactly what he said over there. I mean, you can't do that, but he has written it. And as he has written it, he can send it from the Laodiceans to the Thessalonians to the Colossians and also to Los Angeles Church. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So even we can benefit from what Apostle Paul has written. Hallelujah. So we're blessed to have such books. Amen. Amen. And um, one of those epistles and books that we have um, in our church is the book Attempt Great Things for God. Amen. Amen. So today being Attempt Great Things Sunday, I feel like I should read at least the first chapter of that book to us. Isn't it? And read it as a message from our pastor to us. Is that okay? Is it, is it, are you convinced from the scriptures I read? Well, okay, even if you are not, I have. <laughs> Amen. So chapter one of a great, uh, that's the book right there on the screen. Chapter one of attempt great things. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2 says, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, 
and strengthen thy stakes. Amen. He said, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. Amen. Now, this book is about attempting to do something great for God. Hallelujah. This is our year of work, isn't it? Yeah. So, it falls right in line. Um, attempting to do something great for God. You will discover many great things you can do for the Lord. A great thing is something that God calls great, right? In other words, we're talking about great things as defined by God. Do you understand? Great things, because great things really would be very relative, isn't it? Depends on who is calling it great. You get it? Yeah, if you're a robber or a thief, you know, being able to break into someone's house is great. <laughs> do, you, do you see the thing? Yeah. So that's not the sort of thing we're talking about. We're talking about things that are great in the sight of God. Amen. Right. A great thing is something that God calls great. In this book, we're interested in things that are great in the eyes of God. We are interested in things that are called great in the Bible. What is great to a businessman may not be great to a servant of God. What is called great to a politician may not be called great in the sight of God. These words from the prophet Isaiah, that's the verse we just read, are telling us to attempt to create a larger tent, to attempt to build a bigger tent, expect more people to occupy the tent, expect to need a bigger tent to give a covering to a larger crowd. Amen. Amen. The prophecy is clear for all who are interested in the visions of God. The visions of God tell us to enlarge our ministries. The visions of God tell us to expect great things and to attempt great things. I think it's a good place to read that verse again. It says, enlarge the place of thy tent, right? And let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. The stakes are the poles, isn't it? Yes, right? So you can see that there seems to be a kind of uh, spiritual remodeling taking place, isn't it? The tents are being stretched, the curtains are being stretched, you know, and the cords are being lengthened and the stakes are being strengthened, you know. It sounds like something great, something bigger is being attempted. 
isn't it? Can we change the version? Change the version. Change the version and let's read that same verse, Isaiah 54 and verse 2. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. (laughs) Isn't it? Enlarge your house and then do what? Build an addition. Spread out your home. And it says, and spare no expense. It means there's a cost to it. Isn't it? It's going to cost you more. It's going to draw more out of you. It's going to require more from you to be any greater than you already are. Do you see? If we want to see more people in our church if we want to see an enlargement, if we want to see increase, if we want to see or move to the next level, it's going to cost us more, isn't it? Yes, it's a spare no expense because with enlargement, there will always be a cost. I mean, if you decide to change the curtains in your house, the first thing you're going to be introduced to is the cost of it, isn't it? Even before you find where they sell it, you start thinking about how you buy it. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. So the cost of the enlargement exists and it's an important part of the prophecy. But remember the verse we read, it says, faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Whatever we need and whatever it will take to enlarge our tents, to move forward, God will supply that in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Now, William Carey, the great missionary to India, is the one who coined these famous words, attempt great things for God and expect great things for God. Okay, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Amen. The prophet gave the command to enlarge the tent and lengthen its cords. Why is that? Why would you have to enlarge the tent? Because you are expecting great things. Hallelujah. So it's not because you actually have those great things per se. But it is because you have faith to expect them. Hallelujah. Expect them. Expect them. Hallelujah. I think expecting is free. (laughs) Do you pay anything to expect? No. (laughs) Do you see? Yes. We are all allowed and entitled to expecting. So if you're going to expect something, then expect something great. This is a new year, it's a new season, and there's a reason why we mark it. There's a reason why we call it a new year. It's a chance for you to, you know, recalibrate, even mentally, do you understand? And to be able to draw a line somewhere and say, look, the old may not have been good, the times may have been difficult, no matter what has happened in the year gone, here is a chance. Here is a new place. Here is a new season. And we can expect great things. We can walk into a new year and a new place with new hope, with new faith, 
with new beliefs, with new strength and energy and say, God will do something great. Hallelujah. Yes. So it is a very important thing to be full of faith at such a time. On the first Sunday of the year, it's important for the church to be full of faith and to say that God will do great things. God will do what? Great things. God will do great things. God will do great things. Don't start the new year in despondency. You know, that's a big word. But it's a word that describes a person who is discouraged and who is low and who is down and who is depressed and who feels like, you know, what difference does it really make? This is just another year with a new number. (laughs) Or it's the same old year with a new number. (laughs) Do you see? The number has changed from 23 to 24. But same old, same old, same old. No, you can't do that. You can't do that for yourself. Hallelujah. You can't do that to yourself. Give yourself a chance to have new hope and to have new faith and to believe that this is the year that God has made. Even the fact that God allows you to see this year is a message to you. Because not everybody gets to see the year. You get it? And the fact that God has allowed you to be here means he's not through with you. Isn't it? He's not through with you. I mean, the surest sign that God still has plans for you is that he still sustained you and woke you up. Isn't it? Because according to Psalm 3 verse 5, when we go to bed, we don't wake up by ourselves. It says, I awaked because the Lord sustained me. Isn't it? That means instead of allowing me to rot, instead of allowing me to go bad, instead of allowing me to pass, God sustained me. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, when people go to the theater and they're having surgery, they are alive because they are sustained. There is someone whose job is to sustain the person. His job is not to cut the person. He doesn't do the cutting. He doesn't do the, all those things. He hasn't learned that. He has learned how to keep people alive. Do you understand? Yes. So you are not supposed to be living when your heart is out or when your heart has been cut or they're doing such complex operations on you. You are not supposed to be alive. No. You'll be dead. But for that person. Do you understand? Yes, so for somebody to be able to lay you down, you know, and open up your chest and sometimes switch the heart. (laughs) Do you get it? They take the heart from you and they take another person's heart and they put it in and stitch it together and so on and then, you know, and you wake up. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And the reason is because there is somebody who has learned the art of sustaining people I mean, it's a real separate work from the work of cutting or even moving the heart. 
Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? So when the Bible says the Lord sustained you, you should not take it for granted. It's not like, you know, God just did something. You know, it's, it's a whole work that God has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, it's as great a miracle as the miracle of healing you. Do you understand? Just like when you go through your surgery, the surgeon who moved the heart is going to be paid. And then the guy who kept you alive while the guy was moving your heart is also going to be paid. Yeah. And if you doubt it, wait till you start receiving the bills. <laughs> you get it? When the bills start coming in, that's when you see that the bill for being sustained is separate from the bill for changing the heart. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So the Lord sustained us. That's it. Look at it. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. Hallelujah. Everybody say it. Say, I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. The Lord sustained me. Hallelujah. So sustenance is a product of an actual effort by the Lord. God has sustained you. Now I'm saying that when God sustains you, it is a message to you that he's not through with you. It means he's still expecting great things from you. It means he still has hope in you. It means he still has plans for you. See, the same thing is what you do when you put your leftovers in the refrigerator. Do you see what I'm saying? So food that should have gone bad by now is alive and well, and it's waiting for you to get home from church. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. And you know it's not by chance. You know it's not by chance. You expressly packaged it, put it back together, and you put it in the coldest part of the refrigerator. Do you understand? That's why it's alive. Do you, do, you, do you understand? And the reason for that is because you have plans for it. You have plans for it. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes when people's plans have been disappointed because someone else has another plan for it. It's not a small thing. When plans collide for the same object. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yes. When plan, you have a plan going this way and then someone else has a plan which is moving just slightly faster than yours. You get it? Yes. And when you get to the object, you find out that someone else's plan has been executed. Wow. You cannot believe that two people can think so alike <laughs> concerning the same thing. They have the exact same plan for the same time. You know, it's amazing. And so whether that object is a person, a beloved, you know, or it is a, a box of uh, leftover fried rice from the local <laughs> Chinese shop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or one KFC leg that was left behind, you know. <laughs> Whatever it is, you find that that hope is alive. 
I want to say to you today that if God has sustained you, he has a similar thought concerning you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God has plans for you. God has a purpose for you. That's why you are up to the, alive to this point. That's why he sustained you. Do you understand? There are people he didn't sustain because as far as he's concerned, their work is finished. What he brought them here to do, they have done. And so he has not sustained them. You know, for such people, he calls them home. But for you, he has a plan. And the evidence of the plan is that you woke up. Do you, do you get it? Yes. You, you don't need to be told anything else. The fact that you wake up, <laughs> you see, is the proof that there is a plan. And you woke up because you were sustained. The church has been sustained. It means God has a plan for the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, God is not through with us. That is why he's saying that we should enlarge our tents and stretch forth the curtains and spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. Hallelujah. Now, let's continue. It says, it is important for Christians to expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God. It is sad to say that many believers are not attempting great things for God. Instead of attempting great things for God, people are being sidetracked sidetracked into business schemes and other ventures. Greater things can be done for the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 16 and verse 15. He said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Hallelujah. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination um, in the sight of God. What it means is that there are some things that men value and treasure so much, but which is rubbish before the Lord. That's why in talking about great things, we need to be careful to define a right. We need to be careful that we're looking at things that are great in the sight of God. Things that are great as prescribed in the Bible and not things that are great according to our own minds and our own thoughts. Amen. Every time you do secular great things, you reduce your chances of doing great things for God. Great things on earth are not great things for God. Earthly things have left the church dry. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Many have set the visions of heaven and of God aside. Instead of seeing that we can do great things for God, church leaders have led the church into business, education, 
and other secular social works. The truth is that we can never beat the world at producing these things and providing these things. Do you see? Yeah. And when we leave the things God calls great and start to redefine greatness, you find some people talk about churches and say, what is the use of preaching? What is the use of preaching the gospel if you're not feeding the poor? Or what is the use of, you know, preaching the gospel if you're not educating people? Or what is the use of preaching the gospel if you're not engaged in things that help people socially, etc.? Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So you find that sometimes we are not even sure what our greatest use and our greatest blessing to a human being can be. You know, let me ask you, if you met the rich man and Lazarus, now I'm talking about Lazarus, if you met that Lazarus who was sitting at the foot of the table of the rich man, you would probably think that his greatest need is food. Do you see what I'm saying? More than preaching the gospel to him. Do you understand? But the truth is that no matter how much food you give to a person, his day comes to die. Whether early or later, his day and his time on earth completes at some point. Isn't it? So you see that both the guy who had food and the one who didn't have food, they both died at some point. Do you understand? Yes. So you see that probably the best you could have done for Lazarus was not really the food. If you gave Lazarus the gospel, you would have helped him greatly. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. You would have helped Lazarus greatly. Whoever gave Lazarus the gospel helped him greatly. Because soon the food issues didn't matter anymore, both for the rich and for the poor. And when the rich man started to campaign for someone to go to his brothers, he didn't ask for someone to give them food. Do you see? He didn't ask for someone to go to his brothers to feed them, but rather someone to go to his brothers to give them that thing which Lazarus had, which he, the rich man, did not have in spite of all the food he had. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That in spite of all the help that you can receive and all the help you can receive socially to make your life, you know, more comfortable here on earth and so on, in spite of all of that, there is a greater way to help a person. And the greatest way to help a person is to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. That is the greatest way to make an impact on the society and to help somebody. But the world does not respect that. The world does not respect that. Even among people, sometimes you go to a place and then people are introducing themselves. What do you do? This one says, I work at the bank. This one says, I do this. And another one says, and then you meet another one who says he's a preacher. It's like, he doesn't work. <laughs> he's unemployed. <laughs> Do you see, many years ago when I was invited to do a baby dedication in somebody's house, and you know, I was very, very young then, you know, 
and the person had invited me to, you know, pray over his child. And when I went to the house, there were family members, aunties and cousins and, you know, grown-ups and everybody was there. And I could see from their eyes that they were disappointed. <laughs> that when they heard, pastor is coming, pastor is coming, pastor is coming, you know, they were expecting a bit more, <laughs> a bit more substance. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That was before this body came. <laughs> you get it, yes. But whatever there was before this body came, you know, it's what I took over there. <laughs> you see, and I can assure you that it was mostly bones. <laughs> that went to that place do you get it yes and I remember one of the relatives of this person you know could not hold it in and she had to let it out so she asked me so young man so you can't find any work to do <laughs> then she added hmm <laughs> like it's like this is so bad <laughs> you get it what a waste a young man like you you know who could be doing this or that or that or that and you've left all of those things to become what a pastor how <laughs> you get it you see she, she, she was just so frustrated, you know, and she could not hold it in and she had to let it out. Do you understand? Yes. Maybe if I told her I was a banker or if I told her that I was a, a, what, a doctor or if I told her even an Uber driver or something, you know, she would feel that I'm trying to do something. Do you understand? Yes, but that's what we are talking about. That a lot of things that the world calls great are not great in the eyes of God. And a lot of things that God calls great are not great in the eyes of the world. So in talking about attempting great things, we must be careful that we are attempting the things that are great in the eyes of God. Can I have an amen? amen? So winning and church planting are not the same as building secular schools and health institutions. Salvation is a very spiritual thing. A church is a very spiritual body. A church is not a building. Salvation is not education. Salvation is the conversion of the soul and the transformation of the spirit of a man. Making disciples for Jesus is not the same as raising leaders and entrepreneurs for the business world. When I speak about attempting great things for God, I'm not talking about building hotels, universities, secondary schools, boreholes, connecting electricity to villages. I'm talking about achieving 
the goal for which Jesus Christ came into this world. The salvation of this world through the blood of Jesus Christ. The greatest work indeed is a spiritual work. Hallelujah. And Christians ought to think this way. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The greatest work that can be done is a spiritual work. And that is the work of transforming people. That is, I mean, and it's not like the world is succeeding at all these things anyway. I mean, our prisons are full. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know what to do with people. So we are reducing their sentences. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We sentence them and then straight. We sentence them to like, let's say, 30 years in prison. And as they are going in, we know they'll do 20. Because we know we can't afford to keep them for 30. It's too long. Even the judge may pass before. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So we put them away and then, because we, we don't know how to change people. And sometimes the prison system just makes them worse. Makes them many times more dangerous than they were even before they went there. Yes, I mean, can you imagine you are sent to a place where all your friends and neighbors are criminals? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> if it is indeed the case that evil, bad company corrupts good manners, then that should have been the worst place to send anybody. But the thing is that if you don't send them the way, where else will you send them? <laughs> They're a problem at home. They're a problem on the street. They're a problem. You know, we don't have the answers. We really don't have the answers. Nobody seems to be able to explain the origins and the source of evil in a human being. Sometimes how, how human beings are able to create and, and fabricate and, you know, invent the evil, you just wonder. What is the source of this thing? What is the fountain out of which all of this flows? Do you see what I'm saying? That's when you're compelled to face the concept of sin. You get it? Yes. And that's where our message comes in. Because our message says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. That the problem is a spiritual problem. And it calls for a spiritual solution. And unless you have a spiritual solution to the problem, you're not going anywhere near solving it. And that is how come people, you know, who could not be changed by the law, who could not be changed by the threat of going to prison or the threat of even being shot and killed. You know, all the crimes that have death penalties as, the, as, as um, you know, the, the, the consequence, I mean, they have not stopped just because you're going to die. Rather, it's on. <laughs> you get it? Yes, if you do this, you'll be shot or you, you'll die. It doesn't stop people from doing it. They still do it. Yes. So that's how it is. Our message is a message of a solution, a spiritual solution to these problems. 
of life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. And it may not seem great to you until it has happened to you. Yes. Andrew Crouch said, you'll never know that it's true until it happens to you. Yes. You'll never know that it is true. He said, I didn't think it could be until it happened to me. Do you see? Yes. He said, somebody told me of the joy they had. You know, somebody told me that in sorrow they could be glad. <laughs> you see? Yeah. Then they said, and then they told me that once they were blind, but now they see. But I didn't think it could be until it happened to me. Yeah. And there are many people in the world who have the same story. They don't think it can be, and they will never think so until it happens to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest message. It's the greatest message. It's the greatest help. You know, yesterday I came across a little clip on, um, I think it was on Instagram or some little, somebody was preaching. He said he met somebody um, who was the person, I mean, I'm just saying what he said. He said the person was a homosexual. And the person was at the train station and he tried to evangelize the person. And then the person said, you know, because I was born gay, you know. And the guy said, he said to him, and so what? That's why Jesus said, you need to be born again. <laughs> you get it? Yes. Yeah, so if you think the first birth put you in this way, that's even the greater need. You see, it underscores your need to be born again is the greater reason why you must be born again because the first one went wrong. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. And I want to say, or well, let me just finish this verse. It says, dear, dear Christian leader, please stop misleading the church. Stop making us think that creating earthly monuments, building human institutions, doing business, engaging in politics, is the same as doing the great works of God. Let's get it straight. No one else can do what the church does. No university can preach the gospel. True or false? No university plants churches. Have you seen any college planting churches? <laughs> Colleges don't plant churches. Do you see? Yes. No secondary school ministers Holy Spirit baptism or prays for the sick. No hospital is charged with the preaching of Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. No hotel or business can do what a church does. A hotel is not a church. Are you understanding it? When I speak of attempting great things for God, I'm talking about fulfilling the great commission. I'm talking about the original 
God-given mandate of the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are not to preach physics, chemistry, biology, sociology, or politics. We are to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Most universities set aside the church and minimize its importance. And sometimes even when we're looking for places to meet, it even becomes a problem. You know, once they find out you're a religious group, they don't even want to give you space that they give to everybody else. They give the space out for parties. They give the space out to clubs and to different organizations for doing anything else but preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one can challenge that. You get it? There are a ton of people in the world who can testify, you know, about what Christ has done for them. You know, and that's why testimonies are important. Sometimes we need to allow people to share testimonies and to share their experience with Christ. Because when Christ has changed somebody, you can't take it away from them. You see what I'm saying? Because they know themselves, they know who they used to be, and they know who they are now. And they know where the difference occurred. That this is not like somebody is going on and going on and then suddenly some, some, some light bulb or something goes on in their head and they suddenly think that good is bad and bad is good or the other way around. That's not what happens. Christ enters a life and changes a person's desires. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. He said, you know, most universities set aside the church and minimize its importance. It is amazing that the churches which have been set aside and disregarded by the universities are the very ones that set aside their own doctrine to follow the university's curriculum. Why does the church set aside the Bible and teach business, psychology, political science, and business management in the pulpit. You see, why doesn't the university set aside its business studies, psychology, political science, and business management and teach the Bible in its classrooms? Let us attempt great things for God. Let us win souls for Jesus. Oris, have you ever had a lesson in school um, about the Bible? Do you have any of your classes that teaches salvation? No. There's no salvation class. In all your years in medical school, there's no salvation class. Yeah, you see. So there's no reason why the church should be teaching the medicine. <laughs> Do you understand? Because if we don't teach it, there are a ton of places where people can land them. But if we don't do our job, there is no other place where they will hear what they need to hear. Do you understand? That's why you must expect to hear about Jesus in a church. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, don't leave a church because he didn't organize a seminar for businesses and he didn't teach people, you know, how to do some of these things. No, 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 you shouldn't leave a church because of that. Because it's not the work of a church. Do you understand? Yes. That's not what the church is supposed to do. How to do business. So the church needs to give skills to its members. 
so that the members, <laughs> you know, maybe if we have all the time in the world, yes, we can tack that on somewhere. Do you see what I'm saying? But that's not our mission. If we have two hours with people, you know, who already want to go home, we should be talking like this to them. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Because there, we, we don't even have enough time. <laughs> Do you see? Yes, we can't talk about business at this point. There are many other places where you can learn about business. Let the church be the church. Let Jesus be praised. Let his name be glorified. Let him be Lord in this atmosphere and in this environment. Always let Jesus be supreme in such a place. Hallelujah. Let us attempt great things for God. I'm concluding. Let us win souls for Jesus. Let us build churches for God. Let us do the things the Bible says are great works. Let us focus on spiritual things that have eternal value. Let us not be impressed with earthly glamour. The things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination before God. These are the words of Jesus. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Luke 16 and verse 15. This is Jesus Christ. Can you see that? The one who came from heaven is telling us that a lot of the things you value down here are stupid up there. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. God doesn't want to see them at all. <laughs> Abomination means don't even touch it. Don't bring it near here. Meanwhile, it's so great here on earth. You get it? And the best person to talk like that is one who has experienced both worlds. One who lives there and who has visited here and is telling us that this thing here is rubbish over there. I don't think we'll have any doubt if somebody came from Jamaica or someplace like that and found something here. And the person told us, this thing is very precious to you over here, but in Jamaica, we throw them away. Wow. There are things like that. Yeah. There are things like that. Even foods. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, there are foods. I saw some guys selling some things by the uh, roadside the other day, you know. And I was thinking how those things roll around here, you know, iguanas. <laughs> you get it? Yes, and they're for sale, you know, for lunch. <laughs> yes. You see all these squirrels that are here <laughs> that entertain us. Yesterday I was trying to take a picture of one of them. He won't even let me. <laughs> In another place, they would be hunted. <laughs> you get it? Yes. They will be chased, not just from the yard, even into the hole. <laughs> you get it? Yes, somebody would, be, would pack things into the hole and light a fire that will smoke the squirrel out from the other side. And there'll be another person waiting there with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. 
But in another place, everybody is surprised that someone would even consider eating such a thing. So poor creature. <laughs> it's like, how much, how much meat is this? I don't, I don't think you even get half a pound. You get it? If you're that desperate for protein, get an egg. <laughs> Eat some eggs <laughs> or some beans. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So you see that something that is esteemed in one place is rubbish in another place. Yes, and that's how it is. When Jesus spoke this verse, he said to them, ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. We have to be careful that we have not placed value on things that God calls rubbish. Things that God doesn't want to see at all. Things that don't mean anything in his sight and in his presence. That's what the church is about. Hallelujah. And on this first Sunday of the new year, it is appropriate that we remind ourselves of what great things are in the sight of God. On attempt great things for God Sunday, it is important for us to remind ourselves that winning souls, planting churches, looking after the people Christ came to die for would be the greatest and will forever be the greatest things before God. Hallelujah. Everything else will come next, but definitely not before these things. And we as a church are going to continue. Amen. This is the epistle from our apostle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. And we are reading it in the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're reading it in the church. It is important for us to remind ourselves of what our mission is and what our purpose is. And so as a church, we're going to stir ourselves up again. We're going to get ourselves together. Hallelujah. We're going to put ourselves back together. We thank God for sustaining us. Do you understand? Yes. Some churches have closed down, but we are still here by the grace of God because God sustained us. Do you see what I'm saying? And for what has he sustained us? He has sustained us so that we would do his will and fulfill his great purpose and do great works. And we will at least attempt it. Amen. We will at least attempt to do what God calls great for him. Hallelujah. Now in closing, I will take the opportunity also to announce to you that we're going to go on a fast. Hallelujah. As a church. Amen. And all that fasting is, is taking some time to wait on the Lord and to pray for his direction, for his guidance, for his help 
and for his involvement as we attempt great things for him this year. Amen. This year has been designated our year of work. Amen. It's been designated what? Our year of work. Amen. You know, one brother was telling me how he shared it with his friend. He has a colleague at work. And he said he told his colleague, his, his colleague asked him, what did your pastor say about the new year? Was it a year of what? And then this fellow said, he told him, my pastor said it's a year of work. And the guy said, what? Uh -uh. Did your pastor hear from God? <laughs> Do you see? Because he said that either his pastor or what he was expecting, he said it's a year of progress. Do you see? But to hear that it's a year of work was not very pleasant to his ears. Do you understand? Yes. But we are proud of it. And I think this is prophetic. Hallelujah. Yes. There is no more blessed person than a person who has work. Do you understand? Yes, a person who has work has provision. People who have a job don't beg for salaries. Do you know that? Yes, a salary is a natural reward for work. A paycheck comes to you directly for work. You don't even have to go chase it. You, you don't have to beg anybody for it. A paycheck will find you. It will even find where you live and show up at your door. Why? Because you worked. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So work is a blessing. Amen. It's a blessing. And sometimes the way God blesses you or he renames your blessing by calling it something else. Do you understand? Yes. Because work has rewards. The Bible says in all labor there is profit. In all labor, there's profit. So the way towards profit is labor. And so when God wants to give you profit, he gives you the labor that produces the profit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So instead of saying, this is a year of rewards, or this is a year of, of profits, or this is a year of paychecks, God just says, this is a year of work. Amen. And anybody who signs up for it has also signs up signed up for what work produces are you hearing what i'm saying yes and so don't be scared by the theme rather be excited that god will even give us work to do because everything comes from work think about it when people lose their jobs their lives literally come to a halt <laughs> isn't it Yes, because when you don't have work, everything is about to go. <laughs> your car is going to go. Soon your house is going to go. Even your food will go. <laughs> everything will take off one after the other because of the absence of work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. That's why you shouldn't be rejoicing when you get to eat and you don't have a job. <laughs> you get it. Yes, because you know that it's not going to go far and it's not going to go for a long time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
So we are blessed. Everybody say a year of work. Say it again. Say a year of work. It is a blessing for us because it will lead us straight into the rewards. Amen. So one of the reasons why we are fasting and praying is to wait on the Lord before we start working for him. Amen. Before we start doing what he calls us to do so that we don't do work he has not asked us to do. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's painful when you have done the work and finished and nobody asks you to do it. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be the work. Do you see? That was not your work. <laughs> so it's important to wait on the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do this year. Amen. And we're starting tomorrow, January 8th. And we're going all the way to January 28th. Amen. Yes. And that will be 21 days of fasting and prayer, you know, with little breaks during the weekends. And then we continue during the weekdays. Amen. Right. So each week we'll be announcing how and what kind of fast we're going to have and, um, what times we're going to pray and meet, etc. All I want to say is that everybody in the church should endeavor to participate. Amen. I want everybody to participate. Hallelujah. Everybody, maybe you've never fasted before. This is your chance. You get it. Whether you're here in the service or watching us online, wherever you are, I want you to join us as we fast and pray starting from tomorrow. Amen. We're going to meet every uh, morning from 5 to 6.30, right? So an hour and a half of meeting, that will be on Zoom in the morning. And then every evening, we're going to meet from 7 to 8.30, Right, so 5 to 6.30 in the morning, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. in the evening. Amen. And this week, we're fasting from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. All right, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? And then we're going to be breaking our fast with what? What? Variegated fasting means you can... Break it with anything you, that strengthens you, isn't it? Yeah. Now I know we don't want to go into that because different people have different stamina's for different things. But the point is, we don't want you to drop dead. <laughs> okay. So eat anything that doesn't make you die. Okay. And. Uh, just go on. That's for this week. Okay, so we break our fast at 6 p.m. I want to encourage you to join the prayer in the morning and join the prayer also in the evening. Amen. We're trying to see if we can have an in-person meeting at least one day of the week. And so if we are successful with securing the place, maybe this very place, if we can get it, we'll let you know. And um, we can gather together and um, pray right here. 
Amen. Amen. But let's all participate in the fast. Amen? Amen? Let's all participate in our preparation towards working for God. Let's pray. Let's wait on the Lord. Let the Lord give us direction. Let the Lord show us what to do, how to do it, where to do it, with whom to do it, etc. God is going to help us and God will give us direction in Jesus' name. Say amen. amen. Right. Then during the second week, next Sunday, we're going to announce how that's going to go and also for the third week until we have accomplished our purpose for those three weeks. Amen. All right. Now, during this week, we also will encourage you to read the book, one of the epistles, Everything by Prayer, Nothing Without Prayer. Amen. Everything by Prayer, Nothing Without Prayer. This is one of the fantastic books written by our pastor, and um, it'll be a blessing. Amen. And tomorrow morning, I'll share a little bit from this book during our early prayer meeting. Amen. So get your copy. Everybody now has their own set of the books, isn't it? If you don't have your set, who doesn't have a set of the books? You don't. Okay. Please, if you don't have your set of the books, I want you to come and see Sister Ivana right after the service, okay? Please, right after the service, make your way straight to her, okay? Don't, don't be, uh, uh, um, I mean, don't, don't go home too quickly, amen. amen? Just come straight to her, and she's going to set you up with all the epistles written by our prophet and our pastor for free. That's your new year present. Amen. Amen. Yes, all 105 books or so, you're going to have all of them on your phone, on your iPad, you know, whatever device you have. And so when we're sharing, you can actually have your own book with you and we go through together. Can I have an amen? All right. So, I have just connected my sermon to the announcements, and we're done both together, and we're finished. Amen. All right, so stand to your feet, and let's pray. Stand to your feet, and let's pray. Amen. Yes. Okay. Now, um... One of the things we do on Attempt Great Things Sunday is to give out these little forms because we want you to write down some great thing you're going to attempt for God this year. Amen. So, um, Pastor Charles has them. Okay. We're going to give this out. Everybody's going to have one. You get it. And... This form says, on this seventh day of January 2024, and you put your name, and it says, I declare that according to Matthew 6.33, which says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
I will throughout this year attempt great things for God. I will, by the grace of God, attempt to. Then you put three things you're going to try to do for God. Do you see? Three things. All right. So just hold your form. Don't fill it yet. We're going to pray. And then you sit down and you'll be able to write clearly. Okay. Now, this is not a form you should put your name on. It's not a form we're going to collect from you. You keep it, uh, and this is going to be your private covenant with the Lord. Amen. So um, we'll do it. So make sure, everybody just make sure you have one, and um, that's for you. And, and then you're also going to add three prayer topics that as I attempt to do the things above for the Lord, I pray that the following prayer topics of mine will be answered according to Matthew 6, 33, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a good form? Yeah, Lord, I'm going to do these three things for you. You also do these three things for me. I think it's easy, isn't it? Yes, and it's going to be a blessing. Hallelujah. But let's pray and close the service and then will attend to this form. Hallelujah. Everybody close your eyes and pray and say, Lord, I pray and thank you for including me among those who have been blessed to see this new year. Thank you. Thank you for 2024. Thank you for the first Sunday of 2024. I know I'm alive because you sustained me. And you sustained me because you're not through with me. You sustained me because you have plans for me. Because you still believe in me. That no matter how much I've failed in the past. That no matter how many times I've fallen in the past. No matter how many times and how often I have missed it. Lord, you still believe in me. You still have faith in me. You still think I can make it. You still think I have a bright future. And that is why you have sustained me. And I want to thank you and commit myself to you in the name of Jesus. Everybody pray that kind of prayer right now. Just take a minute to pray that type of prayer. And say, Lord... I'm connecting my existence to your plans. I know that I'm alive, not by chance, but because you sustained me, because you, you kept me alive. You kept me alive. You kept me alive. Yes, Lord. You kept me alive. Thank you, Lord. Mashaka Yes, Lord. You kept me alive. 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 And I'm grateful. Thank you for your plans for me. Thank you for your purposes for my life. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. In the name of Jesus. Yes. 
Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through, use it for your glory, Lord. time everybody Lord I offer to you Lord I offer my life to you everything I've been through use it use it for your glory Lord I offer my days to you lifting my time everybody Lord I offer Lord I offer my life to you everything I've been through use it use it for your glory Lord I offer my days to you lifting my Father, we thank you for your blessing. Today we offer our lives to you in dedication. We rededicate our lives to you. That Lord, for the coming year, you will place it in our hearts to seek you and to seek you first. To put you before everything, to make you first in our lives. And Lord, that we will know you more. That by this time next year, we will all have moved forward. That our year of work would have truly been a year of work with advancement and progress. Progress as a church and as individuals. We thank you for your blessing in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're with us today, or you're online, but you're hearing my voice and you know in your heart that you're not saved, this first Sunday of the year is a great opportunity to start afresh. 
I don't know how many times you've dedicated your life to the Lord, but I remember as a new convert, I did it many times. I tried to give my life to Christ, and many times I fell so far short of what I knew he expected of me. And so I was grateful always when there was a preacher who would give me that opportunity to give it one more try. And maybe you're in that same spot today where you've tried it many different times. You've tried at many different times to give your life to Christ and to live according to the word of God, a life that pleases him. But you failed at it. You failed so many times and probably today the enemy is telling you to give it up that there is no point anymore trying to serve Jesus. But I want to say to you that the devil is a liar. Satan is a liar. He is a liar. Jesus is inviting you today to try it one more time, to come to him, to give it one more try, and to dedicate your life to him. So I want to help you with a simple prayer. I want you to join me as we say the simple prayer together, and I want everybody in here to join us for that prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I come to you one more time on this first Sunday of 2024 bringing my life with me and offering you my life. I give you my heart, Jesus. I give my life to you, Jesus. I turn over the lordship of my life. I turn over the lordship of my life to you, Jesus. To you, Jesus. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my life. I ask you, Lord. I ask you, Lord. Please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. I have a place for you in my heart today. I have a place for you in my heart today. Please come into my heart. Please come into my let your blood wash me. Let your blood wash me. Forgive my sins, Lord Jesus. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. And make me a child of God. Oh Jesus. I want to serve you in 2024. I want to live for you in 2024. I want you to be Lord over this life in 2024. I want you to be Lord over this life in 2024. And I want to make you first in my life. I want to make you first in my life. Starting from today. Starting from today. Starting from today. Starting from today. I want you to be first. I want you to be first. And most important. Most important. In my life. In my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For hearing my prayer. For hearing my prayer. And everybody says amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord, everybody. Clap your hands, everybody. Clap your hands for the Lord. Amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. Now, we're going to have communion in a moment, but before we do that, if you gave your life to Christ today, and if you prayed that prayer with us, and especially if you meant that prayer you prayed, then I want you to send us a text message so one of our pastors can reach out to you. Amen. If you're right here, I'll be here in the ser- at the end of the service and I'd love to speak with you. Amen. I'll be standing right here at the end of the service. Just make your way to me and we'll talk. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to uh, have communion and I want you to take your communion. Um, maybe you can sit down for a moment and take also your, your attempt great things for God form. Attempt great things for God form because we're going to fill out that form and then we'll take our communion over that form. Amen. So do that right now. Take your communion and get your form like complete it just put your name in there this is between you and the Lord this is your private form the only reason we are writing it out is that many times we take such decisions but they have no substance there is no substance to them because everything acquires substance when you write it down do you see everything takes on a form. It has a body when you write it down. Do you see? So I want you to write down what three things you're going to do for God. And then feel free to express yourself in the lower part also. Three things you want God to do for you in this coming year. Great things. Amen. Three great things you will do for the Lord. And three great things you want God to do for you. And remember, great by God's standards. Amen. Not great by your standards. Maybe in the latter part you can express yourself. But at least in the first part, write three things you know to be great. Yes. Write your three things and your second set of three things. And then we're going to have communion. Amen. We're going to join our pastor at the First Love Center. And I believe he will lead us in our communion experience today. 
and he will also pray for us which is very important we need our pastor to pray for us your pastor's prayer is always very important amen Hallelujah. All right, if you're done, Father, we thank you for our covenants and thank you for the things we have written down on these sheets. We pray for your help in fulfilling them. We know that without you, we can do nothing. So even though we've written them down, we know we are powerless in doing them except if you help us. So we ask for your help, Holy Spirit. Work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, stand to your feet and let's join our pastor at the First Love Center. Now, if you have your form, just fold it nicely. You know, fold it like something that is precious to you. Okay, and then put it somewhere. Okay, put it somewhere where you will remember. Okay, keep it somewhere neat. Don't crumple it. Okay, don't mix it with rubbish. Don't throw it away by all means. Hide it somewhere in your house where it will last at least for a year. What do you think? Yes. Hallelujah. All right, let's go over to the first love center. Let's join the prophet. Okay. Do you get the Holy Communion at all? It's too fast. Well, We'll get it faster this year. Father, we thank you for the Holy Communion that we receive today. Touch our lives and heal us, we pray in Jesus' name. The body of Jesus Christ.
the blood of Jesus. Right now, lift your hand for a blessing. May the Lord bless you. Amen. As you attempt great things for God. Amen. May you not fail in any one of your visions and dreams for 2024. Amen. May the Lord bless you to be spiritual. Amen. Whatever Satan has determined, planned, and organized against you to turn you to mincemeat, to make you powder, mm. to turn you from something to nothing, mm. I pray for you now. Amen. The Lord intervene and intercept. Every Amen. And every spirit Amen. Coming your way. Yes. May the Lord grant you divine forgiveness and exemption. Yes, Lord. May the Lord grant you divine escapes. Yes. Arrows of darkness. Yes. The Lord bless you. Yes. As He blessed Peter to survive and recover. Yes. So shall you also survive and recover. Amen. Amen. I will recover in Jesus' name. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Amen. The whole of 2024. Yes. And I prophesy that you are arriving safely next year. Yes. On the first Sunday. Amen. Your feet will be standing. My feet will be standing in the house of the Lord. Safely. Beautiful. Yes. Having survived. Amen. No, by the grace of God. I am living in 2024. I'm surviving in 2024. I'm overcoming. I'm being healed. I will not be diagnosed with a disease. I am blessed. I receive my blessing. Yes. Yes. All of us here in Los Angeles, yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 We are arriving safely into 2025. Yes. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell somebody you are arriving safely in 2025. You are landing safely in 2025. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Now you may be seated.